Hi, I'm producer Kevin. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. If you're blessed by this show, please subscribe or follow us on Spotify. That way you can step to date with all our latest podcasts. Hey, check this out, everyone. For this week's episode here on Hope for Our Times on our Prophecy Update, I've got something different for you. I have a real treat. Uh, listen, I have a guest today. His name is Atom Barr. You're going to hear a message that he just did for me at my church on why Jews don't want to hear about our Jesus. It's a fantastic message. The reason I'm doing this is because this is a must-see. You're going to love this. Check it out. Here's Eitan. Well, shalom. Look at the screen. More Jews converted to Christianity in the last 19 years than in the past 19 centuries combined. Hallelujah. It's coming from Rabbi Dov Lipschitz, who is the leading anti-missionary in Israel. Those guys work against the gospel, and I think he passed away recently. And that, that's going to be the good news we'll get to later on near the end. First, thank you, Tom, Pastor Tom, uh, for the invitation and the opportunity to present before you guys. Again, my name is Eitan Barr. And I'm coming from Israel, and although I look 21, I was actually born in Tel Aviv 35 years ago. <laughs> this is a picture of my wife and my two children. Uh, Benedictus is the oldest, and therefore, obviously, my favorite. <laughs> and some exciting news, not for you, for me, as of Monday, I'm a doctor. So, thank you. I graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary, but it's not a PhD, it's a demon. A demon, it's like, it's like a doctorate for the young and immature, like me. <laughs> so next time I'll think twice before I invite a speaker with a demon. You know, too late now. <laughs> you know, my Jewish mother always told me I can do anything in my life, I can be anything I want, as long as it's a lawyer or a doctor. But as you can guess, this is not exactly the kind of doctor my Jewish mother wanted me to be. <laughs> I'm also one of the leaders of the One for Israel uh, ministry in Israel. We are kind of grassroots ministry who share the gospel with our own people. I'll share more about it later on. We operate the one and only Hebrew-speaking Bible college in Israel and actually in the entire world. We serve Jewish and Arab uh, believers in Yeshua and Jesus in Israel together. And we actually do a lot of different things, like um, evangelism, humanitarian aid to Holocaust survivors, soldiers' ministry, and more things. I cannot share all of that with you today, but I can show you a three-minute video clip on the screen. Why should you care about a tiny state in the Middle East? This state was the birthplace of our faith, the place where the Holy Scriptures were written, preserved, and from here, spread to the ends of the earth. Our faith today is tied with this people in this tiny nation. God's promises made throughout the generations and those yet to be fulfilled. Israel, the place where the nations rage, the focus of the ire of media reporting worldwide, while also being the center of amazing innovations outpacing every other nation in the world. This tiny nation is not like the rest because God isn't finished yet. 
Mad men throughout the ages have tried to extinguish this light, but God made a way, and the fulfillment of ancient prophecy has come to pass in our days, before our very eyes. Israel, a sign of God's covenant promises fueled by grace for the glory of his name. But beyond the wars and miraculous rebirth, the story isn't done yet. The heartache cry of Paul in his letter to the Romans is bursting forth for Israel's spiritual rebirth. We're seeing an awakening in Israel that hasn't been seen since the time of the apostles. Millions are hearing the gospel in Hebrew and Arabic, Jewish and Arab pastors working as one, and leaders being equipped and working together for our Messiah. God is making a way for his church to rise in Israel, and you have a part to play. So why care about this tiny nation? Because you could be a part in bringing the gospel back to the root from which it came. And this awakening won't stop here in Israel, but that resurrection life will bless the church around the globe. So take your stand, join us in this historic work, and become one for Israel. Thank you. I warn you in advance, um, you know, I picked up most of my English from watching uh, television coming from Hollywood, mainly uh, Seinfeld, you know, I am a Jew. <laughs> so please be patient with me. And you know, from some unknown reason, um, I also picked up a French accent. <laughs> I don't know how. When I was 15 years old, uh, my mom divorced my dad, and long story short, I found myself in Canada for six weeks. I spent two of those six weeks, two weeks, with a Christian-Canadian family who took me to something called a Bible camp, which I didn't even know what that is. Now try to imagine two, maybe 300 Canadian Christian Gentiles and one Jewish-Israeli with a French accent. <laughs> but you know, during those two weeks, I started to realize something very interesting. I saw those Christians, and I realized that they have some kind of a unique connection or relationship with my God, which I didn't have. So, in other words, I was provoked to jealousy by those wonderful Canadian Christians, and as a result, in the age of 15, I gave my heart to the Lord to follow my own Jewish Messiah. <laughs> they did an excellent job in provoking me to jealousy, and you know there are two ways you can provoke us Jews. One is love, the other is hate. One is positive, the other is negative. And let's dig into that. I think you will all agree with me that if a Christian reads his scriptures, soon enough he will realize that the epicenter of events mostly takes place in the land of Israel. Jerusalem is mentioned in scriptures over 800 times. Israel is mentioned in scriptures over 2,300 times. Most of the main characters, especially in the New Testament, are Israeli Jews, just like myself. Think for a second about the very first church in Jerusalem, exclu almost exclusively made out of thousands of Jews. 
So all that begs the question, if that's what happened in Israel, if Israel is the country where the gospel came from, everyone at the beginning were all Jews, how come today only 0.3% in Israel follow Jesus? Whose fault is it that we Jews do not believe in Yeshua? Yeshua is Hebrew for Jesus. Yeshua means in Hebrew, salvation. On the one hand, you know, we know verses like Exodus 32 or Acts chapter 7 that describes us, you know, Israel as stiff-necked people. From Exodus to Acts, you have 1,500 years that we are being stiff-necked. Okay, now, 2,000 years later, I can tell you, I'm, I'm one, we are still stiff-necked people. <laughs> so, in spite, I don't know if anyone watched that movie or not, but in spite of what you see in Hollywood movies, um, according to Acts 3.15 and Acts 5.30, we are the ones who are responsible for the rejection and for the killing of our own Messiah. And according to Zechariah chapter 12, one day we are going to realize that and come back and acknowledge it. Amen. But also remember that in many, many ways, we, Israel, represent the entire human race. So in other words, any other nation would do the, exactly, would do the exact same thing. Maybe not the Swiss, but everybody but them, you know? So in a sense, we all rejected Christ. So whose fault is it? On the one hand, it's our own fault. We rejected him, okay? But, unfortunately, that's not the whole story. There is another reason, and that is anti-Semitism in the church. Let's talk about anti-Semitism in the name of Christ, in church history, as a huge cause for us Jews in our continuous rejection of Christ. Um, for the sake of time, I'll just give you a few examples from history, but there's so much more than what I'm going to share with you. Let's start with some of the great saints, church fathers, okay? Um, Saint Eusebius, around 315, he said, he said that all the curses that you find in scriptures meant only for the Jews. That's probably why I have such a big nose. <laughs> Saint Gregory of Nyssa, around 360, the Jews are a board of vipers, haters of goodness. Here's another saint, Saint Ambrose, 379. God always hated the Jews. It is essential that all Christians hate them. Council of Nicaea, that's those guys. They don't look very happy. <laughs> Constantine invited all the, bishops, all the bishops from all the Roman Empire to come to the council, but he forbid bishops with Jewish background to come. And in that council, basically, it completely changed Christianity. The council moved, for example, the Shabbat, the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. 
they changed the day that we celebrate the resurrection day from Passover to the first Sunday after, um, basically removed anything Jewish from the Christian faith. Forbidding to even have a meal with Jewish people. Imagine your pastor came up and said, from now on, none of you is allowed to even have a meal with Jews. Okay? Just so you know, I love oysters and I love a good aged steak. <laughs> Mom, if you see this online, I did not mean oysters. I know they're not kosher. I meant gefilte fish, I meant. <laughs> Moving on, first crusade. 1099, mass slaughtering of Jews by the crusaders, which included even burning a synagogue with Jews inside praying. Um, Ibn el Kalanisi, who was alive and documented the events, he wrote, the Jews assembled in the synagogue and the Franks burned it over their heads. The Inquisition and the exile. The Inquisition took place from the 12th to the 15th century, where the church would force Jews to convert to Christianity by means of torture, as you can see on the screen. After a Jew would convert, he would get a new nickname, Marano, which means a pig. In 1492, all Jews were expelled, kicked out of Spain. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, not the king, Martin Luther, who on the one hand brought this awesome, great reformation in the church, but on the other hand, he was one of the greatest anti-Semitic of all time. In 1542, he wrote and released a book called On the Jews and Their Lies, and in it, encouraging to burn down synagogues and Jewish schools and forbid rabbis from preaching. Martin Luther wrote, their private houses must be destroyed, burn their synagogues, and basically suggesting to murder Jews who are not willing to convert to Christianity, writing that we are at fault in not slaying them. Blood labels. Um, by the way, this is my, uh, my uncle, Moishalach. <laughs> Blood labels happened during the last um, 1,000 years, and it's basically when Christians tell one another stories about Jews. You can guess what kind of stories. I'll give you one example. During Passover, Christians will tell one another, you know, keep your kids close to you, you know, keep an eye on your children because the Jews will come kidnap your kids, kill them, and turn them to matzo balls and eat them during Passover. Okay, this is nonsense because we Jews do not kidnap Christian kids, kill them, and turn them to matzo balls. We turn them to gefilte fish. <laughs> the pogroms. Um, mainly in the 19th and 20th centuries in Europe, um, where Christians would come in the middle of the night into Jewish villages, put it on fire and massacre everyone. Very ironically, when you come to a Jewish village and you 
burn a synagogue and the, the books, the Bibles inside, you also burn God's word. The Holocaust. Look at this picture. This is Adolf Hitler. I hope we all know who he is. And look who is he shaking hands with. In 1933, Martin Luther's wish finally came true when Adolf Hitler met with Bishop Berning. Hitler told him, I am thereby doing Christianity a great service by pushing them Jews out of schools and public functions. Few years later, November 10, 1938, November 10, most synagogues in Germany were put on fire. Why am I saying November 10 for the third time? I don't know if you guys know, but that is the birthday of Martin Luther. It was for his honor. Later on, Jewish prisoners, while dying in, con in concentration camps by the Nazis, they heard the choir of the Nazi soldiers celebrating with Christmas worship songs near the concentration camps. Now, I'm going to let you think about it and digest what the kind of connotations we as Jews developed with Christmas, Christianity, and Jesus. My mom once told me that in the Holocaust, while torturing my grandmother, the soldiers pulled her fingers one by one from her hands, from her um, fingers, telling her that that's because she rejected Christ. Archbishop Robert Runcy admitted, without the poisoning of Christian minds through the, through the centuries, the Holocaust is unthinkable. Swiss priest Hans Kong admitted that the Holocaust would not have been possible without the almost 2,000 years prehistory of Christian anti-Judaism. Today, anti-Semitism is on the rise once again, and that is, by the way, why it's so important that we Jews do have our own land. So I think now you understand why with the reestablishment of the State of Israel 72 years ago, in 1948, there were only 30 Jewish believers in Jesus all over the country of Israel. That's it. Okay? And why today we are only 0.3%. We Jews automatically associate you Christians with all the horrible anti-Semitic things that happened to our people in the name of the Messiah. That is also why it's so easy for us Jews to ignore your message and your, your God and put it in a box and continue on with our life. But today, for the first time in um, 2,000 years, there is a change. I'll talk about that soon. Um, you know, because of Christian history, there are more and more evangelical Christians who are going on the other extreme. Okay, so anti-Semitism is one extreme. The other extreme is instead of trying to um, convert us by force, some Christian teaches that, you know, Jews don't need to confess Jesus as Messiah in order to be saved. Eh, you know, Jews are saved because they are Jews. Um, 
kind of automatically. That would be nice, but that is obviously going against the gospel because we all know that for there is no other name under heaven given to just Gentiles? No, mankind. I'm a mankind, I'm a Jew. By which we must be saved. Okay, Jews included. I want to read to you a quote by very famous pastor John Hagee. In an interview he did with the Houston Chronicle newspaper, Hagi said, I am not trying to convert the Jewish people to the Christian faith. In fact, trying to convert Jews is a waste of time. There is no form of Christian evangelism that, has, that had failed so miserably as evangelizing the Jewish people. Everyone else, whether Buddhist or Baha'i, needs to believe in Jesus, but not Jews. And this is, for me, this is actually worse than anti-Semitism because it teaches that my own mother, that my friends and neighbors, they do not need to know about our own Jewish Messiah. People like Hagi are not killing our bodies, they're killing our souls. And for me, this is even worse. <laughs> now, I'm not gonna do preaching to the choir, but if we take a quick look at what Jesus told Israel in Luke 13, 35, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So according to Luke 13, 35, if you keep the gospel away from us Jews, you only keep delaying Jesus from coming back. And that is no doubt what Satan is hoping for. In other words, if you want to see Jesus coming back, you need to stand behind Jewish evangelism, not deny it. So, after 2,000 years of exactly that, um, you know, Jesus being kind of the best kept secret and being kept away from us Jews, today, finally, Israeli Jews are now coming to know the Lord, their own Jewish Messiah, and in large numbers. And why? Because it is now their own people. It's us, Israeli Jews, who share the gospel with our own people. And, you know, first of all, the message of the gospel is, is no longer coming from um, foreigners who don't really understand the, the language or the culture or the history or the mentality. Okay? But secondly, the message is no longer of a blonde, blue-eyes, pale European Jesus with his tiny little nose. <laughs> Who is, by the way, dead for 2,000 years now on some Roman Catholic cross. <laughs> the message is now available to Jewish Israelis in the Hebrew language, and it's coming from other Israeli Jews, just like them. And we share with them a different kind of Jesus. We share with them Yeshua the Jewish Messiah, who is not dead, but alive, and is wanting to change their lives. Amen. A Jewish Yeshua who they can understand and relate to, you know, from a Jewish perspective. Up until a few years ago, the rabbis successfully blocked the message of the gospel um, from the people of Israel. 
Yeah, you know, Judaism is very much like the Amish. You guys know the Amish? You know, they look exactly like Orthodox Jews. It's kind of funny. Um, you cannot walk into the Amish community or an Amish uh, church and start sharing the gospel. It just, it's not going to happen. They're not going to let you. And it's exactly the same thing with Judaism. Judaism is like one big gated community, no access, okay? The rabbis are not going to give you the stage. But thankfully, we live in 2020. Ha ha ha. So we do not need the rabbi's permission for anything anymore, you know? We share the gospel with millions in Israel. Over 99% of all Israeli households are connected to high-speed internet connection. We are number one in the world in the amount of time we spend online, 60% more than the average here in the United States. If you think your kids are wasting their time online, <laughs> every 100 Israelis will own 122 computers. That's number one in the world. I own three. Don't ask me why. I have no idea why I need three. We are number one in the world in the amount of time we spend on YouTube watching video clips. Okay, so when you guys have like family meal and taking a shower, we are on YouTube, you know, watching videos. All that to say that we meet Israelis where they are at, not synagogues, online, okay? So again, if up until a few years ago, only a few Israelis got any kind of exposure to the gospel, in the last few years, we produced hundreds of videos, mainly in Hebrew, which inside Israel alone, Israel is a country of nine million people, okay? And in the last five years, our evangelistic videos were viewed in Israel 30 million times. Okay, that's saturating time and again with the message of the gospel all over the Jewish country of Israel. That's a, that's a game changer. And I want to share with you a little bit of what we do and how we do. You know, we have many different websites targeting different audiences. I want to share with you one of them as an example so you understand what's going on in Israel. It's the New Testament website. Why do we need that? Because if you walk into any bookstore in Israel, you can find anything you want. Mysticism from the East, the Talmudic writings, the book of Koran, whatever you want, you can find. There is one book, one book only, that you cannot find in bookstores. The rabbis made sure that the New Testament will not be available. So we make it available in any possible way. We send it for free, online. <laughs> Hallelujah. As you already saw in the video, we operate the one and only Christian radio station in Israel. Um, you know, so I told you, 72 years ago, there were only 30 of us. <laughs> That's nothing. So it was very easy for the rabbis to go around and say there is no such thing as a Jew who believes in Jesus. It's a fairy tale. It's a legend. They don't exist. Today, we exist. So we started producing testimonies of Israeli Jews who came to know the Lord and they shared their testimony. Now, because it's in Hebrew, I'm going to give you a short, like a minute, one minute teaser. Enjoy. Liot. מוחשב כאחד משונאי ישראל, זה מצב מאוד מאוד לא נעים. ובאיזשהו שלב נורא פחדתי מהזהות של עצמי. מה יקרה? מה יגידו ההורים שלי? מה יגידו האחים שלי? לא יודעת איך אנשים יגיבו. 
עם ישראל הוא עם קשה עורף. כשאתה מאמין בישוע, אנשים יקללו אותך. קיבלתי איומים על החיים שלי. לקבל יריקה, לקבל דחיפה, לקבל החרמות וכן הלאה. אנחנו הולכים לעשות הכל כדי שאתה תפסיק להאמין. דחייה, שנאה, איומים. לא רציתי להפסיק להאמין, אבא שלי התחיל להרביץ לי, קיבלתי מכות. רק בגלל שאני מאמין בישוע. אסור לי לדבר על זה. ולכן האינסטינקט הוא להסתיר את זה. אף אחד לא צריך לדעת על זה. התביישתי בזה. זאת האמת. איך זה שעם שלם הולך אחרי הוראת שקר? האם מנסים להסתיר מאיתנו משהו? אלפיים שנה משקרים לעם שלי. תקשיבו, ישוע, יהודי לחלוטין. הוא חיכה אלפיים שנה. ישוע הוא אל שדי. הוא משלנו. הוא המשיח היהודי. הוא מת בשביל כולנו. ישוע קפץ למים להוציא אותי. הוא נתן לי חיים במוות שלו. איך אפשר לא לתת את החיים שלך בשביל מישהו שעשה דבר כזה בשבילך? אין מצב שאני אגיד לזה לא. האהבה הזאתי. אהבה מושלמת. אנשים זקוקים לישוע. איך אני יכול לשמור כזה דבר בסוד? אני יהודי שמאמין בישוע המשיח. כבר לא חיפשתי להסתתר. אני לא יכולה להתכחש בתוך תוכי. והחלטתי פשוט ללכת אחריו. אין יותר אמיתי מזה עכשיו? כבר כל המדינה יודעים על זה? הרגשתי חופשי, ממש חופשי וקל. So, I don't know if you guys are aware or not, but, um, you know, in the Middle East, there is a, a tiny, tiny little tension between Jews and Arabs. Yeah? You know it? Okay. And, you know, when a Muslim really, really hates Jews, and then he comes to know the Lord, and all of a sudden he realizes that he follows the Jewish Messiah, and he develops love for Israel and love for the Jewish people, That really provokes us to jealousy, okay? And I want to share with you um, a, a five-minute testimony. We started to produce those kind of testimonies because we thought that's a, an awesome way to reach our own people. So I'm going to share with you five minutes, six minutes testimony of a Muslim that this is what happened to them. Enjoy. A crowd started together. The men were chanting in Arabic. Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. And my father and I, as I was holding his hand, were pushed to the front of this crowd. In the center of this crowd was the Arabic woman, dressed just like this. And she was tied up and she was sitting on a box. Next to her was the Arabic man. And he did a traditional Islamic prayer on the floor. And he got up from the floor, and from his side, he pulled out this very long golden sword, and he beat her at the woman. My legs are shaking, and my heart is going fast. And my father said, "If you don't listen to the teachings we're instilling in your life, this will happen to you one day." 
was born and raised in a small country by the name of Kuwait, a community of 98% Muslim population. Two of my uncles are imams, and one is president of a mosque, where I would hear the call to prayer five times a day. As a Muslim, the word Yahudi, which means Jew, was instilled in me as a bad word, as a cuss word. Yahudis should not exist. They should be killed. And I never thought to question, why would I hate them? I never met Jewish people in my life. They never did anything to harm my family. I just hated them. Just the word brought hatred in my heart. It's very important to learn the Quran and the Hadith and even memorize it in Arabic. I even entered a competition where you recite a long chapter in front of Islamic leaders and teachers. And I came second place. I thought I did a good job. But my father said, no, that's not good enough. Most of my life for me, it was alone by myself, broken person, in need of love for my family, but I never received it from them. I tried to experience this love from Creator God, from Allah. In my prayer times, I lifted up my hands and I cried out to Allah for help. Please have my father stop beating my mother. Please have my father stop beating me. But no help came. God is not a personable God to Muslims. God doesn't say, I love you. Saddam Hussein forces came in the middle of the night and invaded the small country of Kuwait. And then they came to my city and they destroyed property and they looted people's homes and they stole possessions and they killed the men and they raped the women. Then we were granted asylum status to stay in the U.S. My grandmother suddenly got very sick. She had a heart attack and she went to the hospital. And two days later, she passed away. I was devastated because I lost my best friend. And this lady approached me and asked me if I was okay. And I said, no, Paula, my grandmother died. And I just started to cry again. At that moment, I was hurting so much. Only crying helped. And Paula came to me and put her arms around me. And she gave me a hug. And then she asked me a question. Would you like to go to church with me? When I walked into this church, I experienced love from these people and acceptance from these people like I've never before. Fellowshipping together, there were men and women together, they didn't have to be separate, no one was judging each other, and they knew I was Muslim, they were so friendly to me themselves, accepting of me and loving of me, and that was really surprising to me. And for the first time in my life, I heard a message from the Bible. He started reading the message about Yeshua. When he walked into the synagogue, he was given a scroll from Prophet Isaiah, and he opened the scroll and he started reading that scripture. That the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken heart, and to proclaim liberty to the captive, and freedom of sight to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor first time I heard these words of freedom and healing and liberty. I'm desperate to be freed from bondage. I was held captive in Islam and I wanted to be freed from that. I was blinded with so much hatred in my heart. The darkness broke from my eyes. The veil came off my heart. 
I knew the decision I was making to leave Islam is a big decision by Sharia law, Islamic law, and its death penalty. But I'm desperate to know a living God. In that day, I gave my life to becoming a follower of Jesus. This is the God of Israel, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the nation of Israel is God's heartbeat. And I said, God, forgive me. I did not know I hated your people. I love the Jewish people because it's their God, their Messiah that I'm following and he told me to love them. I never knew what happened to the six million Jews that died. I never heard that in Korean history. Now that I met Holocaust survivors, I know their story and I shared my story with them. Your God, your Messiah changed my heart, giving his life for me so I can have life everlasting. He rescued me. He saved me. He came and brought joy in my life again. And I'm a blessed woman. And I start crying, and they start crying. And we are able to relate to each other, and they embrace me, and they love me, and they experience some healing, I believe, when they hear my story. It is a privilege to have that in my life. I am one for Israel. You know, I saw this testimony a thousand times before, including an hour ago, and I still tear up every time I see it. Um, you know, many times, unfortunately, many times, loving the Jewish people, loving Israel, also means hating the Muslims. Okay? And let me challenge you. Those guys are all over the United States. I see them everywhere. And this is an opportunity for you to love on them and bring them to salvation. Okay, another thing that we do is, um, you know, Jews live outside of Israel as well, obviously. A lot of them are here in California. Hollywood is made out of Jews. Um, we came out with, so far, 100 uh, testimonies of Jewish people who came to know the Lord. Any one of you ever seen any of those testimonies by any chance? Okay, a few. Um, those 100 testimonies started producing them about five years ago. We so far, so far have more than 70 million views on them um, on our social networks. And for the sake of time, I cannot show you one, but you can go on imetmessiah.com or on oneforisrael.org and see it for yourself. I will show you a 60-second uh, teaser. I want to tell you a story. I used to believe that Jesus was a Catholic God, God of the Gentiles. I imagined that Jesus was Italian. The New Testament was one of those books that I saw nuns reading on the subway. I was expecting to find a handbook on how to persecute the Jews. I'm reading a story written by Jews about Jewish people. One thing you don't do is you don't talk about Jesus. I'm gonna get ostracized. I'm gonna, they're gonna think I'm crazy. And are you out of your mind? You're not Jewish anymore. Absolutely not. Do not look into this. You are a traitor to your people. Jesus was the Messiah. He wants relationship. He wants fellowship. Believing in Jesus is the most Jewish thing I can do. I mean, to have a close relationship with God, the truth is worth it. Life with, with Yeshua would be worth it.
here is a, you know, a breakout of our videos. And in the last five years, they, they were viewed over 100 million times by now. And as you can see, we do a lot of, we call it Jewish apologetics, which means basically answering rabbinic objections against Jesus, against Christianity, against the New Testament. And believe me, we have 2,000 years worth of those objections. Now, just as no Catholic person will ever go against his Pope because he's the authority, Jewish people are not going to speak against the rabbis because that's the authority, you know? But we do it, not only we do it, we do it in the name of Christ. And we came out with about 150 of those kind of videos where we quote a rabbi and his objection, and then we debunk it, and we refute it, and we answer, and we share the gospel, and we teach messianic prophecies in the Old Testament that show that Jesus is the Messiah, and those kind of things. Um, I know you Americans love advertisements, <laughs> um, so here is a quick one. A lot of those um, apologetic videos we translated to English came out as a book, a year ago, it's available uh, to order on Amazon, so go for it. Um, you know, ever since we released those videos, we started getting a lot of very positive response. We are seeing Jews and Arabs in Israel coming to know the Lord like nobody has seen in the last 2,000 years, and that's awesome. We are no longer 30, we are about 30,000 now. Okay, that's big. Hallelujah. So I compiled for you just a few short text messages that we got, just to give you an idea. Obviously, we translated them to English. Enjoy. Yeshua is the Son of God. And through your videos, I finally saw who He truly is, unlike what I hear from those around me. To this day, they reject him and curse his name and don't even bother to look for themselves or ask questions, but you have shown me the truth. You have captured my heart with your videos that uphold a higher moral standard and with the way you treat those who persecute you. Two years ago, I came across your Facebook page and I received the gospel for the first time. It hasn't been an easy journey, a lot of ups and downs, but today I'm about to be baptized and I'm overjoyed to have accepted Yeshua as my Savior. I wanted to say thank you for all of the work that you're doing and I'm praying that God will use you to bring the message of salvation to many more. My journey has been a long one. I went through many hardships and was searching for meaning. I didn't know why my soul was in a state of agony and emptiness. I couldn't find the answers I was looking for in just religion. When I began reading the Talmud and rabbinic texts, I was sick with the amount of nonsense and inaccuracies I found. Then I came across your videos, and things started finally making sense. As a lawyer, I checked the facts and searched for truth. And the deeper I studied, the more I saw the difference between your faith and dead religion. I would love to attend a congregation I can be a part of and ask my many questions. Your videos have made things so much clearer for me. I'm 18 years old and come from an ultra-Orthodox Jewish background. Questions began to pop into my heart. I began to doubt the legitimacy of the oral law and if it was actually the Word of God, as the rabbis say. 
This past year, I've been on a quest, searching for meaning. The first time I came across your videos, I couldn't accept it because of the walls that were built around my heart since childhood. Today, I'm convinced that Yeshua is the Messiah, as prophesied in the Torah. I know my faith will distance me from my family, but I'm remaining in the truth because nothing else matters. I know it's 11 o'clock, but you need to understand that the concept of time in the Middle East is very different than it is in the United States. <laughs> so a few more minutes and I'm done. You know, all of that led to two situations. Number one, overnight, we kind of became the face of Christianity in Israel because, you know, country of 9 million people, 30 million views, people recognize us on the streets. We got to the national news a few times. And, and, and it's, it's pretty awesome, to be honest, yeah? It's good. But on the other hand, you've got the rabbis, and the Orthodox rabbis are not loving it at all. Do you remember the Pharisees in the New Testament? Okay, that's exactly the same spirit, just different faces, that's it. They don't appreciate Jesus, they don't, they don't appreciate us, and they persecute us. I get death threats all the time. You know, I actually, uh, we used to live in a small house, and one day, one of the more well-known rabbis on his Facebook page um, put a picture of me and my son and started to entice against us. The very next morning, we wake up and I see in the backyard this big bag. So I'm not sure why I did it, but I, l I let my dog out to check it out. <laughs> so it didn't blow up. <laughs> That's good. So I went and checked it out and it was filled with feces. Why feces, you ask? In the Talmud, the rabbinic literature, the rabbis tell a story about a Jewish sage who communicated with Jesus from the dead, asking Jesus, where is he and what's going on with him? And Jesus replied, according to the Talmudic story, I don't believe it, Jesus replied that he's in hell and he's being punished because he was a false prophet and a false messiah. And his punishment is to be boiled in feces forever and ever. So the rabbis are kind of telling me, you're going to end up just like your Jesus. And they got that right. I'm, I am going to end up with Jesus. <laughs> so I told my wife, listen, let's pack everything and move. Let, no longer are we going to live in a house. So we moved to the 18th floor. Nobody can throw anything there. But the anti-missionaries, once again, they found out where we live. They are very well connected with the Minister of Interior in the government. They got the address, and they printed those disgusting flyers, telling lies about us, enticing against us with our pictures and names and everything. And they gave it all over our neighborhood to everybody. Okay? So that's the kind of game that we play in Israel. But let me tell you something. You see those guys? You see the rabbis and the things they say about us? I love them. And I would give my life to see them getting saved. Okay, I hope it was a blessing for you guys. I'm done. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, 
hopeforourtimes.com and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.